What was that? That's, uh, Pixar or Toy Story? All right, it, this isn't the Pixar episode. <laughs> you're, you're a few episodes late, bud. Oh. Um, oh. Whoops. Oh. Yeah, we're Hi. talking about we're talking about old history movies. That's right. Her Welcome story. back to Stacked Episode Seventy Nine. <laughs> First story. Probably one of the dumbest intros ever. I hated the intro, but we're gonna start the episode anyways. That's rude. I tried to come up with something and you just put me down like that. You sang the Toy Story theme for an episode about period pieces. Yeah, pre nineteen pre eighteen hundred period pieces. That's right, everybody. We are doing in honor of the Northmen uh hitting theaters this weekend. Uh when this episode drops, I will be seeing it with my dad because he's going to be in town on this day, this Sunday that it drops. Um, I'm we we wanted to we wanted to honor uh old period pieces about history, but we decided to get a little cr- creative with it, sort of uh narrow our choices a bit more because it seems like that most period pieces made uh recently are films that are either from the 1800s or earlier you know a lot of um especially american period pieces a lot of civil war or earlier you know um so i i wanted to really you know i really wanted to stretch our uh our brains here and think about some films that talk about you know the olden times the really olden times before the 1800s you know so um yeah, I think we're going to have a really fun episode with some really creative choices. I know for a fact that you guys have not seen a single one of the movies that I'm picking, so this is going to be so a big pitching episode. They're you know? probably bad. Alright, well, th- <laughs> looks like I'm starting at a disadvantage, so <laughs> wish me luck, everybody, on my pitches. Um, Chris, I talked to you about this before, this when I was hanging out with you in LA this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. What was going through your mind when you were picking out this stack? Um, well, at first I, I thought this would be a really difficult stack to create because like, just like off the top of my head, I can't think of that many, um, period films from a pre 1800s, but after some light researching, it made me realize that I had a couple of movies that fit really well into this category. And funnily enough, this, um, this theme, uh, is actually has created what has Probably been one of the most proud stacks I've ever created. Um, I think all three of my films this week are bangers. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to share them with you. Uh, I think we've all seen the movies that I've chosen. And yeah, um, Brandon, you got any? How was your How was your process? Uh, yeah. I thought it would be more difficult than it was. I have like 12, I had 12 movies that I kind of like, was like, I like these. These could be good period pieces. And I kind of wanted to divide it so that, like, I wouldn't choose, like, one movie from this century and then, like, a similar movie, you know? I wanted to, like, keep it, like, stretched out. Uh, uh, not a necessarily across continents, but across countries. And, yeah. Let's see what we got. Alrighty. Well, it's going to be a fun episode. 
Um, let's get into these these picks, gentlemen, shall we? But of course, as always, let's go over the rules of the show. All right. Oh, but before we do, before we get into the rules of the show, I want to give out a special shout out. Uh, oh yes, this is really exciting. We got our very first piece of fan mail. Uh. Uh, a dear listener. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, for the ten, the sixteen of you listening out there, that's right. <laughs> you can email us. Um, I wouldn't recommend it though because I never check the stacked email. Uh, I I would prefer a DM on Twitter or putting in the YouTube comments. But um, I don't mind an email. Like you check the fucking email. You don't think <laughs> you even have access to it, you dummy. Oh, how about how about um, you can reach us on our Instagram. Uh, DM us yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, I will there you answer. Go. I will in- answer Instagram DMs. Oh, oh yeah. you'll answer Everybody... Instagram DMs, but you won't fucking share the times we upload episodes on Instagram. That's really interesting. <laughs> if you sent me the thumbnail for every episode, I would do it. I basically do. You can just pull it from Twitter. How do you do? How did you do it before? I used it from the Google Doc. That's not true. Yeah, I did. Because I stopped doing that, and you still posted yeah. them. No, I stopped doing it. Okay, I'll, I'll put them on the Google Docs again. Will that make you happy? No, Will you do send it? them to me. No, send no. them to me. I'll just do it on <laughs> do you want me to just te- Do you want me to text you the thumbnail every time I make it? Yes. Okay, I'll do that. Anyways, that... I'm sorry, that's distracting for the special se- shout-out to Alex <laughs> McKnight... Who uh, wrote Woo! us a very, very nice email? It was so kind of you, Alex. Yeah, thank um, you, man. It's really heartwarming, genuinely. It was kind genuinely of heartwarming nice. that you have discovered our show and that you are enjoying it so far. Um, and, and we're he not recommended... screaming into the void. Not screaming into the void. Um, <laughs> that is right. We are not just three crazy dudes just doing nothing. But who cares? Even if we were, we're just talking. We're just having fun talking movies. Just you know, chatting movies. You know. Yeah. We don't care about the views. We don't care about the... I know Brandon's in it for the money, but me personally, <laughs> I'm not, okay? Yeah, what's the AdSense on these videos, Ethan? <laughs> oh, I, I can't tell because I've been keeping it all for myself. <laughs> um, I get it. Alex, yeah, thank you so much for the email. And uh, he suggested that in the future we do an episode on Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan movies. Um, and we will definitely keep that in mind. Uh Brandon and I are not as well versed as Jackie Chan as Chris is, you know? I don't think... I think I've only seen uh, Police Story and... Uh, Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Rush Hour. The Kung Fu Panda Spy movies. Door. Uh, the so Adventures of Jackie like, Chan. You know? You've seen, like, all of his... Um, all of, most of his, like, good American stuff. I've seen Around the World in 80 Days. <laughs> Steve Coogan and Jackie Chan. Uh... Yeah, so now I I I want to watch all the Jackie Chan films on the Criterion Collection. That's probably what my next step is, and then I want to watch some other films uh, from him because I because that email was so nice. We're gonna put in the ep- the effort to make a Jackie Chan episode happen in the future, just for you, Alex. It's gonna happen. Yes. All right. So look forward to that, everyone. Anyways, Woo. let's get to the show. Once a week, we set a topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we'll mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. 
Brandon, you are up first with your first old period piece film. Well, I'm picking a Mel Gibson film. I'm picking Braveheart. Braveheart! I had a feeling someone would pick Braveheart. You know what's funny? I almost picked a Mel Gibson film too, but I didn't. This would have been a. I almost picked Braveheart as well. This would have been a really awkward celebration of Mel Gibson. (laughs) That's not good. Yeah, Yeah. Ethan almost picked Daddy's Home (laughs) too. Yeah. Great period. That that happens in the 1400s. No one (laughs) feels like it. It's no kind of dated, me, but it, it, it <laughs> it's, it's it's more uh, dated than Daddy's Home One. That's for sure. I haven't seen Braveheart. This is a big blind spot of mine. I know it's a classic. Yeah, Tell me it's about a very Braveheart. Very good movie. So this is a movie that follows a Scottish revolt uh, for independence against England. Uh, I remember watching this movie when I was probably very young, too young to watch this movie, and I remember it was one of the first adult movies that like I watched with my dad and remember loving and thinking wow that was so good not just because it was like violent but because i found the story very compelling and like almost brought me to tears when i watched it the first time one of those first movies to make me cry and it was because like it's just so emotional seeing uh somebody like want something so bad for their people and to see them go through like genuinely brutal struggles and to see that like unravel the way it does i don't want to spoil it for you ethan because it is a very powerful film no matter what you think of the director but braveheart is like one of the best like historical dramas one of the best best picture movies out there and yeah it might seem like oscar bait i mean it's like a film it's a historical period drama as most period pieces tend to be oscar favorites but like i think what sets it apart is the direction it's like very very vibrant very brutal I, I, Chris, do you have anything to say about it? I haven't seen it in a while, so <laughs> I have not seen this movie in a while either. I, I can't say I've I rewatch Mel Gibson films all that often. Yeah, but I will say Braveheart. I remember seeing this like I think back in high school. I think, and I remember yeah, it was one of those movies I like because at the time I was still very much like getting into movies, and this was one of those like weirdly foundational movies for me that like really like made me embrace cinema as like something that affected me more than Same like here. any other art form. And <laughs> I know that's that really Mel weird Gibson to say about a Mel Gibson film. Something about Mel <laughs> yeah. Gibson, I don't know what it is. But uh, terrible human, but captivating director, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was one of those movies that like really affected me. And I remember like being so compelled by like, yeah, this story is grand. It's It's got a lot of emotion behind it, but it's also got this like giant plot and war behind it. And, you know, Scottish, it's got, yeah, Scottish history is not something I delve into very often but it's kind of nice to like have scottish representation i don't know what what else about (laughs) that i don't know what else to say about this movie it's been a long time maybe i should rewatch this you know what we should do a bell gibson a fun what do you guys think daddy's home hacksaw and braveheart that sounds great to me wait yeah my yeah no i haven't seen braveheart uh hold on chris my audio is very much coming through your too hang on i can't even did you are you hearing that brandon can you hear that wait hello maybe turn your headphones down try now hello 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 yeah it is okay let's go from there okay and no i haven't seen braveheart but i um I know, I know the 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 sword. I know he screams freedom. I know he dies at the end. You know, I know he screams yeah. freedom and dies at the end. 
it's super powerful yeah. i i the ending is what i take away most from this movie the ending and the setup of like their fight for independence right um and yeah mel gibson man gotta gotta not respect him but except you know, for these two movies that he's made that are amazing yeah i guess some of the things he does is kind of cool but mm, he's not cool he's not cool sorry guys he's not cool braveheart okay good first pick you know um what what era does it take place 1200 so 13th century 13th century okay cool 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 starting off a bit early in the 13th century pretty cool all right chris what's your first uh old period piece film oh um shoot i'm i'm gonna go with my i'm gonna go with this one first um i'm picking a film that is set in late 18th century france um not her it's this director is not her debut feature but certainly the film that put her on the map um a lot more especially in like contemporary film like discourse um it's portrait of a lady on fire directed by celine schiama oh good movie that's crazy because yeah. um, i also had uh i'm i also have a late 18th century uh french film that takes place in france directed by a woman but i thought we were gonna double stack but we're not anyways mm. tell me chris I love so, um, I mean, yeah, we've all seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but anyone who doesn't know, this film is a historical romance drama um, telling the story about a lesbian affair between a young aristocrat and a painter commissioned to paint the aristocrat's portrait. Um, it's, you know, it's right from its logline, it's a pretty straightforward movie plot wise. But as the film goes on, you start to get a sense for what is really going on here beyond the blossoming romance between the characters and that like very strict linear way to read the plot. Um, you know, like while the romance is obviously a, a central part of that film, it's really more about like the yearning for companionship and freedom. Um, like in, in the film, like love is crafted in less the conventional and idealized image, but more so through this kind of like unconsummated uh, emotion and feeling and like the idea of these things being suppressed by systems of inhibitions and prejudice. And unfortunately this, like even though this film is set in late 18th century France, a lot of the issues that are going on in this film are very prevalent today. Um, and oddly enough, this is a pretty common trend of mine in a lot of my favorite films. I really like, uh, like we have pointed this out before, but I've everybody has pointed out that like, a lot of my favorite films are very melancholic. I don't know why, but that emotion really strikes with me when it comes to cinema. Um, and yeah, you know, this movie is a very, it's a very tonally delicate and emotionally intimate film. Um, and yeah, you know, I think this does a really good job of kind of not only being the film that it is and doing such a great job with what it's going for, but also in terms of being a pre-1800 period piece, there's a lot of detail that goes into this film. The costuming is amazing. The, the set design is fantastic. The, also, the cinematography in this film is gorgeous. Um, this is one of the few films that has ever shot in. I could you, it, it. Okay, I know this might not sound like much to you guys, but this movie shot in eight K, and a lot of movies do that so that they can like fix yeah, things up and clean them up later in post. Yeah. But this film shot with the intention of we're we're not doing this to make changes in post. We're doing this 
to preserve texture and color detail and stuff like that, which might sound kind of like, oh, okay. But I, especially for me as someone who really pays attention to visuals when watching a movie, it really does shine through. And I think anyone who does share in the, that like love for visual imagery in film will really get a kick out of this movie. Um, I know you both really like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Brandon, you gave it a four? Yeah. And Ethan, a four as well? Yeah. yeah. I gave it a four and a half. Um, Ethan, why don't you go first? What do you think about this movie? Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing this at the Cinerama Dome, which was really cool. Fucker. Um, but <laughs> funny little story about it. I um, I bought one of my favorite movie theater snacks when I saw this movie, uh, Bunch of Crunch. I don't know if you're familiar with Bunch of Crunch. <laughs> I already know where this is going. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of loud to eat Bunch of Crunch because you got to shake it out of the box, you know? Um, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire is, is a pretty quiet movie, you know? Yeah. And I just felt like such a douche every time I wanted to have some Bunch of Crunch. So what I had to do is I plan I'm like, okay, they go to the beach a lot in this movie and the the waves are pretty loud. So every time they went to the beach, I would eat bunch of crunch. So I would, so I could hide my bunch of crunch under the, the sound of the waves. Um because I didn't want to ruin this really great experience for anybody because this film this film is so good. Um it's just it's so it's such an intimate film and it does this really insane thing of building up these super strong and violent emotions, but not like violent, like negatively violent. They're just visceral, visceral emotions, but it's just, it's constantly brewing underneath these two women throughout the film up until the very end, you know, when she's at the, uh, what's it? The opera or something, you know? Is it an opera or is it a? Uh, I think it's a performance well, they were, of some. They were just performing. A performance. Vivaldi was performing. Yeah, it was yeah. like a like a musical performance. Yeah, a musical performance up until that, where it's just and then that's where it all spills out, you know. And uh, what's the the director's name? Celine Schiama. Schiama. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure if the, my pronunciation is correct. Celine yeah. Schiama. Yeah, Celine Schiama. Um, it is just so good at making such an atmospheric film i can already feel it with the film petit maman um i'm so excited to see that film um it looks like that movie looks like a ghibli movie but like live action you know um but here it's like it's it's so good because it like the film represents the painting the portrait of a lady on fire where it's like it's so elegant, but there's this fire brewing at the bottom, you know, and it, you just have to slowly watch it creep its way up the dress. And it's just, it's an, it's an amazing film and I have so much respect for it. Love it. What do you think, Brandon, with your wizarding wand? Who, whose wand is that? It's the elder wand. The elder wand? Yeah. What, okay. Uh, it's Dumbledore's technique. Well, um, Albus Dumbledore? <laughs> Albus Dumbledore. Um, and Voldemort and Harry. But, you know, I digress. Uh, we don't talk about those movies here. We don't talk about Bruno. Nope. Or JK. Um, <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 
this was supposed to be my last movie that I watched in theaters before the COVID pandemic. And they shut down the theater and I had to give up my ticket because of the COVID thing and I got bronchitis. So so I didn't see it in theaters. I really wanted to because it it took forever to get to us because I remember the previous award season, everybody was talking about it. And I ended up settling for it when I got to a milestone, my next 100th movie. I wanted to make Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And I really liked this movie. Uh, I, I think the colossal hype hurt it especially the buildup, because I had so many months thinking, what's this movie going to be? Everybody's loving it. It doesn't mean I don't think it's still a really good movie. I just think my expectations were a little bit too high. Uh, as It's great, a piece of LGBT cinema. I think it's very clear and beautiful in its sound and picture. Like, I think technologically, this is like a marvel. Um, yeah, and narratively, I think it's a really impactful story about this time and like these people who are like, a person who's like an artist and painter and these people who kind of become lovers over the course of like a, a short period of time. Uh, I I didn't find it super emotionally resonant for me, uh, but I still really liked the movie. It burned with a lot of passion and yeah, very good. Yeah. I'm not a lesbian, so... Um, I don't relate. No, just kidding. <laughs> so uh, my own... <laughs> my own private... I, I mean, my pri- my own private... Idaho's good. That's a good gay movie. <laughs> See, guys? <laughs> See, guys? <laughs> I'm an ally. I related to that. <laughs> I related. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. All right. That's a great movie. This is already... Coming up to be quite a interesting stacked episode. But what about like nine um, eleven and the movie? You know, if it was set during that time. Yeah. Why didn't they mention nine eleven in Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I don't care if it was France; it was a worldwide event. Anyways, um, I'm picking a, f- a film that takes place in France during the late 18th century, um, directed by a woman, Sofia Coppola. I'm picking Marie Antoinette. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've heard of it. Takes and I know it's very different from other period pieces. It's very different from other period pieces during this era. Um, So, what I think this film does so well is, I think there's often um, a sort of disassociation with people in period pieces they really feel of their time you know what are you doing brand's about to smash his lava lamp over his desk why not i wasn't what are you doing i was not trying to distract i'm trying to (laughs) fix it um anyways you continue on with your movie okay a lot of you look at like movies like from jane austen novels and shit like that that take place during this time where people wear like all these elegant outfits and stuff and the reason why I don't like those films is the people in it, they never feel like real people, you know? I feel like they go too far into capturing what they're like at the time that you never feel like that, wait, these are humans that just existed at a different time. They're still like us, you know? They still make jokes. They still gossip. They still hang out. And they still like to have parties like us. And I think Sofia Coppola does a really great job of streamlining that in Marie Antoinette because 
there's no French accents. People, the actors just have the accents that they have normally. They talk to each other like how we talk to each other, you know. Um, but of course, it's still this this uh, around the subject matters of the time. But you start it, it starts to reveal that like these people had the same social uh, standards, not really standards, so same social mannerisms as us, you know. Just they were French, you know, and it it in different contexts, you know, because like you look back in history and like there were dudes still making like dick jokes and fart jokes like back in Greece, you know, they found scribes of like it on a bar or some shit, you know, like the way we act as social creatures really hasn't changed. Just the context in which we act has changed, you know, um, and I think this film does a really good job at doing that by keeping modern colloquialisms and language and using modern music but keeping the settings and what and the narrative vary of its time but still keeping those essential things that make you like you're able to step into the shoes of these characters leading up to the moments of the of the french revolution of like the uh you know the people who lived in uh, versailles at the time um mm-hmm. it's a really good film uh highly recommend it one of Sof- sofia coppola's best films out there right behind lost in translation um yeah have you guys none of you guys have seen this film right no no i i not they matter i don't think i've ever seen a cop uh sofia coppola film. chris you would love lost in translation what the fuck are you doing i know <laughs> i've mm. seen like two or three of her movies she's good I like her as a director. I've just heard mixed things about Marie Antoinette. Um, it's it, it's it's a like, movie. It's like you either like it or you don't. You know. Like, yeah, that's that exactly. So it's, it's like kind of like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, it's very cautious. much a choice that you just gotta you either ride with it or you don't. I don't think you will, Brandon. I'm gonna be honest, because I know you like the the old timey w- ways of them talking and stuff. Okay, I don't, I don't. But like, I think you like, like it, Chris. my thing. But I do like it. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. So I think that was just a cool movie to sort of, it, you know, when you're watching a stack of going back in history, I think this is get very good, like, to help you go into the history. you got the settings, the narratives, but, you know, it's still, like, you still got one foot in the present, you know? And that's... that's yeah. a- I don't know how I'll feel about the modernism take, but we'll see. It's unique. Yeah. They don't do that in many movies. They don't. But it really works here. I really do think it does. Um, so yeah, that's my first film. Let's get into the second round here. Brandon, what is your second period piece? I'm, I'm picking a Terrence Malick movie. Ooh. I'm picking, uh, The New World. Never mind. I thought you were gonna, actually, no, I don't think they'd be. Never mind. What's, what's the world about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I almost overtook you. Sorry, my bad. It's all what's right. World it's, about? it's cool. Um, so we've all know the story of Pocahontas from the Disney movie. This is a more faithful adaptation of what really might have happened between Pocahontas and John Smith. So it's a story from the early 1600s, 17th century in the New World uh, that takes place between the U.S. or the colonies at the time and uh, the U.K., England at the time. And I found it extremely interesting to see like a realistic take on this story and seeing the characters um and the people uh the way like native americans lived and how the english people really treated them as a result of their colonization 
but also to see like a love story take place between two people that really didn't belong together not only for age reasons but because of like the social standards at the time mm-hmm. and to see that like conflict play out over the course of like months years etc was really interesting and it was super sad too because it it focuses on disease and like uh war and struggles of power between people and it's not like dances with wolves where john smith is like suddenly integrated into an indian tribe or where Pocahontas is immediately accepted by the English people as a worthy love interest for this English nobleman. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's very very compelling. Now I don't think the narrative is perfect. I I, I think it was one of my bigger issues with the movie when I watched it in 2019. But what I do love about the movie is the way that Malik depicts this time period. Uh, I think that was one of my main points of. Uh, plus, because Emmanuel Lubeski shot it, and Ooh, he knows how to shoot it. with natural lighting. He knows how to shoot a time period well. Yeah. But also the way it's production designed, it, it feels so authentic to the time yeah. period. And you don't often get that with period pieces where they'll do their best to imitate it. They won't replicate it. Like, I felt like I was there. And that's something that Malik and Lubeski together do really well, is capturing that realism. I know we see that in like something like A Hidden Life, which came out in 2019. Uh, you see that with A Tree of Life with his more contemporary and 1950s sort of design. And I really appreciate that attention to detail. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I haven't seen this movie, um, but I I can only imagine what a powerful movie it can be considering what you've just said. And um, like, you know, and just like that dream team that is Terrence Malick and Emmanuel Levetsky, like mm-hmm. they can the way they visualize things together is really powerful. Um, I think, like, I mean, I, I, there's not really much for me to say because I don't really know this movie well, um, but I am definitely interested. I just added it to my watch list. Also, Brandon, I know we were talking about this briefly earlier. Um, yeah. Emmanuel Levetsky is also the only cinematographer who has his own exhibit, his own exhibit in the Academy Museum. Oh, really? His own little section. Whoa. Yeah, he's got his, he's got, he's the only one with his own little bit. I would say (laughs) this film is most comparable to The Revenant out of Mm. his work that I've seen. Oh, there you go. I love The Revenant. So, Um, Ethan, Hmm. you got anything to say? No, I've actually... Not as violent. I've never heard of this film before, (laughs) actually. Um, But I do think we we need more... What we need are more colonization movies. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I think we need more movies during that time piece that don't really paint us in a really nice light, I think, you know? I think it'd be really cool for a filmmaker to explore, like, that the new world wasn't really a new world, you know? And I don't know, uh, but... It seems like Terrence Malick here does a little bit of that. Would you say, Brandon? Or no, I, I, I think, uh, I think he does a lot to like point out the flaws of the English colonizers, as well as like some of the problems that face them. Like there was a lack of communication, so like people were treated poorly because they didn't understand each other. Uh, it wasn't like you know how the Pilgrims were depicted in our uh, history classes growing up, where they were like benevolent and the indians gave food and or the natives brought food to us and that's how we got thanksgiving you know it wasn't like that it's not necessarily the most desolate picture i mean there was like relations there but it wasn't it it's not extremely hostile but it's not super friendly either 
So it's just like two adult parties going at things, and I think that's the most realistic take to have on it. I like that. Um, seems very a mature way of handling uh, what, how we got to this dang old country, you know? Continent. Dang old continent. This whole ass continent. How these dang old white folks got here. What the fuck were they doing, you know? Uh, <laughs> sounds cool. Very nice. Chris, what's your second pick? All right. Um, you know, something that really surprised me when I was um, looking at... Because, Ethan, I always go on your uh, your stacked uh, final picks yes. list to make sure. And I was really surprised to find out that I... if I, Unless I'm miscounting, we've only ever selected one Kurosawa film for Final Stack before. We've only done Ikiru. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to and I'm going to add I'm going to add one and hopefully it makes it Final Stack cuz I really love this movie. I know you guys do too. Uh-huh. I'm picking my favorite Kurosawa movie. I'm picking Ron. Nailed it. I I knew you were going to pick this one cuz I I looked I'm like yeah. cuz I almost I was thinking about picking Ron too. I was like, "Ooh, uh we've never picked uh this film. We've we've had it mentioned on two other episodes." So I'm like, uh, "Chris, he's going to pick cuz I know how much he loved this movie." Tell me about Ron yeah. in its context as a historical film. Because I know we've talked about this a lot, you know? So tell me about yes. Ron. So Ron takes place in 16th century uh, post-feudal Japan. Um, it is Kurosawa's last quote-unquote epic film. Um, and it's, it's his third Shakespeare adaptation. This time it's an adaptation of King Lear. Um, and I just, I love the idea that they adapted King Lear into... Japanese history, you know, using samurai warlords and clans fighting to occupy the power vacuum. And yeah, grounding this story in that mo- that era in Japanese history where um, the feudal system has been abandoned and now we have warring um, clans of samurai going head to head against each other. Like this was an era of Japanese history that's very contentious, I guess. Like it's a very, it's, and it's very foundational for Japanese for Japan's like traditionalist culture. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Ran uh, translated from J- Japanese to English just means chaos or ca- the war of chaos, mm-hmm. um, which very telling of this movie. It tells a story of the, I hope I'm going to this correctly, it- Ichimonji family. And yeah, it tells a story of that family and the lar- that larger clan after its elderly warlord, Hiretora, divides its ki- his kingdom amongst his three sons. Uh, in doing so, unknowingly uh, setting into motion an all-out war and collapse of both the clan and his family. Um, I would love to get into the plot more, but knowing that you two have seen this film uh, and that Ron holds a lot of really great twists and turns and surprises, I honestly think I'm going to forego that and just tell the audience to go see this movie because it is pretty fucking amazing yeah especially for a movie that was made in 1985 that it looks like this yeah remember cgi does not exist this shit was all built real they built you can and this movie was made for 11 mil at the time that was very expensive that's but looking back that's amazing they pulled that off for 11 mil yeah like what what is that that's that's relatively low budget nowadays um yeah, you know, there's there's a billion things you can say about this movie, but I just want to tell the audience to go see it. I know you guys love this movie too. Yeah. And in my humble opinion, this is one of the most grand and beautifully produced tragedy films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very politically intricate, but also very like down to earth and emotional too. There's a lot of humanity behind this film. 
and yeah, just masterful filmmaking. Every department nails it. Must a must see. What a picture. What one a say. picture. Um, yeah, it has been a while since I've seen Ron. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I know we've talked about it a lot, but uh, sort of my memory of what what happens in this movie is fading a bit. I think I watched it. It was one of the first Kurosawa's I watched. I know that. Um, shout out to David Desser. This is his favorite Kurosawa film as well. Um, good t- good taste, good t- Mr. Desser. Good taste, Mr. Mm-hmm. Desser. Too bad you got fired. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just the battles in this movie um, are like something you've never seen before because you have to count the fact that this is all practical and this shit had to be planned out and choreographed. Uh, I pick this for the best costume design movie. I don't know why I'm yawning. Sorry about that. Um, the costumes are immaculate because I, because I'm bored. Yeah, we talked about this movie a lot. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, and it's just yeah, it's a very tragic film about these brothers and like how conflict leads to uh, tragedy and disaster. You know, catastrophe. Um, it's very, it's a very good film, and I think this is the next Kurosawa film I'm gonna rewatch. If I am, if I pick one to rewatch, I'm gonna rewatch this one. Brandon, mm-hmm. you yourself, you're on a Kurosawa kick right now, uh, going making his, your way through his filmography, and you're holding the Blu-ray up right now. Uh, what's your take on Ran? Great movie. Uh, I did a double feature of the 1960s Batman movie and this. What? And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i said sarcastically in my review my first sentence was best double feature ever because i hate the 1960s batman movie Bad take. um no good take uh everybody who loves that movie uh you just grew up at the boomer time what i didn't uh, <laughs> you don't love it though you just like it oh sure he's true he's silent yeah i'm on a kurosawa kick right now not just to troll ethan but because i really enjoy kurosawa as a filmmaker uh and i want to see more of his films especially since he's one of the most iconic and prolific filmmakers out there that's not american you know he's not like he's up there with the the miyazaki's the scorsese's the spielberg's you know a household name i feel like most people who know film know kurosawa's name or at least one of his movies by a title uh and ron is by far my favorite it was one of the first films of his i watched um one of the first five or six i think and i remember it immediately became my favorite after watching it because it was epic like the scale of it it for 30 million dollars of today's money is kind of crazy it's it only cost 30 million dollars of 2022 money to make this like they built sets they built miniatures. Costumes. They burned sets. They they had costumes for days. They had so many extras. It's horses. kind of in, the horses. The, the horses. horses. How many it, horses died like, in this and, movie? Yeah, you know how at the end of like Hollywood movies, they're all like, no horses or animals were harmed. I'm pretty sure some horses died in this movie. Yeah, or they used really like you can. There's no way they lived through this. Shit. Yeah, it's crazy because it feels so genuinely realistic. Like somebody went out time traveled back to a feudal Japanese battlefield or post-feudal battlefield. It was like, all right, I got my camera. Let's go. Yeah. 
And it looks that way too. Like cinematography, the cinematography still lives up to this day. Uh, I haven't seen the render of this on my Blu-ray yet, but I have seen a HD rental, which I assume is very similar and it looks great. It looks very crisp. I love the story. It's very tragic, but like I find the story of the tragedy of these three brothers and then what happens to their elderly father to be like some of the most compelling work Kurosawa's ever done. Up there with Ikaru and Dreams. Yeah. Very masterful film. It's masterful. That's all you can say about it. And I gotta rewatch it. Alright. Yeah. Let's fuck Better than Kagamusha. Let's bounce into my film. I am also doing uh, a Japanese film. Not a Kurosawa film, though. I I would be surprised if you two have even ever heard of this film. Um, it is an it, and also it's a film made in 1937. Uh, it is called Humanity and Paper Balloons. It takes place in never heard of early it. early. Okay, and there he goes. <laughs> he just said never heard of it. He slams his headphones down and goes. And, leaves all right he's back now um <laughs> it is a film um so i wanted to there are a lot of uh period piece japanese films you know i love a lot of them it's they're one of my favorite genres out there um and i wanted to pick i wanted to capture one that depicts life in um i don't think this is futile because it's 18th century um but no, life, you're right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what era it was. Fuck. Uh, Do you say 19th century? No, it's 18th. It's early 1700s. What? What era? Oh, that's 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 definitely that's after feudal. I know it's after, but fuck. I, I took a history of the samurai class, and I I knew all the eras at one point, but I don't anymore. Um, that's when I watched this film. Was in that class, and it is sort of it is about uh, a disgraced samurai warrior who um essentially uh gives up on his own honor um and is just like a bum in this t- in this town his wife um basically has sort of you know disowned him not really is very disappointed in him um all he does is he now sells small paper balloons um for his town and uh goes drinking um it's a very it's a very somber film about sort of um the decline of the samurai um in this era you know because they were very prevalent during the feudal era but as time went on sort of their use was declining and they're sort of losing hope and so he he sort of he gets in this battle or not he gets stuck in the middle between um his father's former master so his father was a samurai his former master um hires him uh to sort of uh take care of these gang members who are running a gambling ring in this uh territory and it's sort of it's a deconstruction of the code of honor that spoilers that uh that code of honor actually didn't really exist back then. Like, uh, Bushido did not exist. It was like, it wasn't a, a, a named thing. 
that was just something that was picked up earlier by people who analyzed how samurai acted and created this thing is like oh this is what uh they did we're gonna call this bushido anyways um sort of it's just him coming to terms with his his own honor his place in society and i chose this as a great period piece because um, I think it does really great world building at a, a more smaller scale story because when you think of feudal like old period piece Japan movies, you think of big samurai battle, you know, big temples um, and castles like Ryan. But this just takes place in like two side streets in a Japanese city in the early 1700s, and um, it's really good. I think uh, it's on Criterion if you ever want to check it out. Uh, it's a very good film that I think not enough people talk about. I want them to make a Blu-ray of this movie. Come on, where the fuck is it, Criterion? Um, and yeah, I highly recommend it. It's a very dirty, grimy, somber film um, about a man just losing hope, and it doesn't really have uh, a great ending, like a very happy ending. And it's just like, that's how it was for the samurai during this declining era, you know? And... It's just, it's a really interesting watch because it really subverts what you really thought, what people really think of uh, this era of Japan at the time. You know, it's a very subversive film. And that's why I want to choose it. Humanity and Paper Balloons. Have either of you two ever heard this film before in your life? Nope. Nope. Okay. No. Well, are you interested now? I don't know. Did I do a good job? Nope. No, not at all. All right, moving on. I don't care. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Yeah, we can move on. I just wanted to shout that out. I think it's a cool okay. movie. Yeah, it's good. No, that's cool. <laughs> I added it to. I I did add it to my to my watch list. There you go. Genuinely. Yeah, you should check it out, Brand. You should check it out. I might never get to it, but that's okay. Get my watch hey, list. it's the thought that counts, right? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? No. All right, let's move on, Brandon. What's your last? <laughs> I'm so yeah, pathetic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank Night's time. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're fucking pathetic. <laughs> I am picking a 2018 film by one of my favorite directors, Yorgos Lanthimos. I'm picking the favorite. <laughs> All right, let's let's see. You know, Caroline uh, always asks me, "Why does Brandon have a poster of the favorite in his bedroom?" Because it's so it's amazing. Why don't you tell me? Tell me why you have a poster of it in your bedroom. What has she seen the movie? Yes, she loves the. Okay, movie. why is she then? Why is she so confused on why I love the movie? I don't know. Tell us. That's why do you love the movie? So weird. Well, okay. So when I going into 2018, 2018 was coming off a high year, and then 2019 was going to be an even more epic year for cinema. We didn't know. And sandwiched between was 2018, which had. A few all-time greats, in my opinion. I had First Reform that year. Uh, we had Black Klansman. We had a great Mission Impossible movie. We had Blind Spotting from an up-and-coming director from our school, from our college. Mm-hmm. And but other than that, I felt like 2018 was sort of a down year for movies. And every so often we have one. We just I feel like 2020 and 2021 were both kind of down years because of delays and because of COVID um but this year's looking shaping up to be great but 2018 was sort of a down year after two straight years of really good cinema and i was waiting and waiting for something that would like kind of hit hit me and nothing really did other than first reformed until the favorite came out 
and the favorite is just an outstanding period drama it takes like people's standard like view of the like it very much follows the same path and structure of what you would consider for a period drama but it does something more unique stylistically and performance wise with these characters because yorgos is a very particular director if you look at his films like all of his actors either perform in monotone uh, like have these weird sort of line deliveries that are like flat but it's meant to evoke this sort of strangeness and here he kind of he kind of has that but he also kind of subverts it but he doesn't go along with the stereotypical like i feel like posh uh british tosh point uh, accents that you yeah posh point oh uh <laughs> shut up go on. Uh, anyway, I, I really love this movie because it's great. It's a great progressive story about power struggles within, like, sexuality between men and women, but also between women and women, which I found to be very fascinating. And considering we it came out at a time when I feel like Me Too was sort of starting to take shape, I thought it would hit and strike a chord more with female viewers as well as academy voters but i guess it just kind of got swept under the rug uh in favor of something like green book which won best picture that year which irritates me to this day um but the performances are outstanding the writing is quick witty and intelligent and i feel like it has something to say it's like an incredibly funny movie but it also has stuff that is very dark and like captures like the underbelly of what royalty is really like is some people are extremely selfish, selfish and like uh, overbearing, and some people try to use like royalty for that, like to gain their own power and influence, and within that organization or group. Yeah, and I, I love this movie so much. I I feel like it's like one of those movies that we don't talk enough about, even though it's newer. We don't talk about the favorite enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the favorite? Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I Brandon, this is one of those movies that Brandon has gone on hands and knees for me to, to watch. Damn. There are many movies that. And Brandon why won't you watch it, Chris? Why won't because you watch? To, to spite you, Brandon. It's no, like you I with a Kyo Kurosawa with Ethan. No, Just I know why you won't me. watch it. I know why you won't watch it. But I'm asking you why you won't watch it. <laughs> it's a very yeah, silly reason, but I know why. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? Um, why, Brandon? It's because of the cinematography. When no. the trailers came out for the favorite, Chris was like, "No movie can be that good if it uses like split diopters and like fisheye lenses like that and like wide shots." And it makes me, it's, just... it sickens me. <laughs> no, I thought I'm not a lie. I only say I only said okay. Maybe at the time I believed it, but looking back now, that's such a stupid like take that I had. <laughs> Uh, but it stuck no, with me. It pissed me off, Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is not even because I believe that anymore. It's just to fuck with you. No, like for real. I I will watch this movie eventually. There's a it's in my many my large laundry list of movies to get to. Um and yeah, you know, uh one day I will. And I mean I've liked Yorgos before. Um he's definitely a director that's a little I it's guess like forever. hard to jump into because he's yeah. he has such a distinct oddness to him and his work, but it's worked before, and I can imagine this works really well, especially because I love 
Emma Stone and Olivia Coleman. Oh, um, so good. And yeah, also I I think the big thing that sold me of this movie is Olivia Coleman's acceptance speech for her Oscar because she's adorable. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, I mean I'll I'll watch it eventually. That Even was the sorry. Oh sorry, Brandon. That was like the second happiest I've ever been to watch a a thing win something at the Oscars behind the Parasite win the next year because like she was not expected to win and Glenn Close was expected to win for The Wife and she was very good in that movie. All right. But Olivia Coleman, but Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, she was so she's so good, Chris. Like she's better than The Lost Daughter good in that movie in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is Olivia Coleman's best performance she's ever given. Um. It's a pretty, pretty high bar. Um, I think this is a pretty great film. Um, I think it does. I think it does a lot what Marie Antoinette does actually. Of um, sort of. It it presents its dialogue in a modern colloquial way, but not using the actual language, or accents of like an American person. You know, like it still keeps. It keeps more feet in its period than Mary Antoinette does, which to a degree I might say makes it more successful. I'm, I think I might like this film more than Mary Antoinette. I don't know. Um, but I think it's really good. Um, I just think this uh, fucking Yorgos Lathimos, he does a really good deconstruction of misogyny during this time and how crippling it is. Um you know, because sort of all the roots of, of their problems in this film comes from that. Um, I think the one thing that really took me back from making this like a really perfect film is I, I don't think I was a fan of the ending, how it ended. But, uh, you know, that's just a nitpick. Um, I think this is a great film uh, and uh, great costume design, production design. Like, damn. Like, it's crazy how like a low budget... I don't want. Was this, would you call this an indie film? I don't know if you call this an indie film. Just a low budget film. Um, we'll be able to shoot in such it, places like this. You know, it's crazy. It's not a. It's not a studio movie. Like, cause it, I think it was done by Searchlight, and they're not like a huge studio, but they're not independent. So it's like sort of like a weird in between. It felt like Yorgos was allowed to do what he wanted to do, like without going too weird. Like he doesn't. It still feels like a Lanthimos movie, but it doesn't feel like it's, like, compromising his vision by working with the studio like that. I remember it got Best Production Design at the Oscars as well. I think it was nominated for that, and it definitely deserved it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Good, good, solid pick, Brandon. Deserves to be on this list. Deserves to be on it. All right, Chris, what is your last period piece film? Who's ready for a wild card? No, god damn it! All the time, these happen. Okay, these happen. let's hear it. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so my movie that I'm picking is takes place across a wide range of eras. Oh my god! Um, as Cloud Atlas, from as <laughs> recent kidding. as 1989 to as uh, far back as ancient Greece history, Greek. History. Oh, I know what I'm you're picking. Thinking. Bill and yeah. Ted's Excellent what? Adventure. No! I I thought about this one. I actually did think about it, but I, I never put it on the list because I thought it would be cheating. What? Because hey, it never. Come on, you know I. Ain't it, it never sticks too long in any of the decades to consider a period. 
Interesting choice. Think though. about it. It is kind of a period piece if you think about it. Um, okay, Bill Ted's Excellent Adventure is a film starring uh, Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves from 1989. Uh, it tells a story of them trying to keep their band together um, because if uh, if um, Ted flunks their history presentation, um, his dad is sending him off to military school, and they have to they have to ace this thing, otherwise their band's gonna fall apart and their friendship may dissolve. Um, suddenly, they are contacted by a by a race of I guess alien beings whose entire civilization is built around their band in the far distant future, and they give them the access access to time traveling. Uh, to a time travel machine that allows them to meet and possibly bring back some of uh, history's most notorious figures. Um, I'm going to rattle off a couple that fall uh, pre-1800s or eight, eight, yeah, pre-1800s. We got Princess Joanna, Princess Elizabeth, Joan of Arc, um, Socrates or Socrates. Genghis and Genghis Khan. There's also a couple of other figures that they get that um, are post 1800s, like Beethoven, Abraham Lincoln, Sigmund Freud, and Billy the Kid. Um, but yeah, I want to choose this one just because it covers a little, a little bit of everything. Um, well, kind of. And uh, yeah, it's a fun ass movie, and I just wanted to pick it because I think it, the meme of me picking this movie for pre 1800s period piece films is just way worth the stupidity of it and the hatred that I get from you guys all the time. Uh, it is It is what it is. You know it what it is? is. Honestly, if I if we were doing all kinds of period pieces, like, as long Just as it was... Yeah, I might have That's selected true. this. Because they do go into periods that we have excluded on our list. That's yeah, but we did it. We said we 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 said it. The the prompt was pre eighteen hundred. Didn't say it cannot. I thought you were gonna do. <laughs> That's what Atlas. it means. It... <laughs> <laughs> we like Fortnite. We like Fortnite. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a good movie. But there's no fucking way I would say this they're like in look, I they're put, like in look, I picked in for, those settings for like maybe 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> look total look that's that's a great 15 minutes let me tell you it's you really get it you, when they're there you really get a sense of like their like their time you know oh, they, also absolutely. Go to, they absolutely. also go to like a victorian area to pick up their babes right yeah and i also picked portrait of a lady on fire and ron which are both very dramatic and intense movies i'm throwing a little something a little a little spice a little levity there. you are so. right there is a lack of levity in these uh period pieces often they're really hard-hitting dramas usually yeah why are period pieces never light yeah that's well history's weird. dark but still history is dark yeah the world kind of fucking sucked like the favorite is a pretty light period piece i'd say makes you laugh goes haha funny yeah Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's my film. I don't suppose you have anything else to say about it. <laughs> I think Bill and Ted's a great movie. I don't know, Keanu Reeves and Bill and... Uh, Bill and Ted face the music, too. That That's also a good movie. Alex Winter. Alex Winters. I said Bill Winters, because maybe... I don't know. You combine them, I combine them. Oh. They are one and the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, so They go meet Socrates. 
what are, the only times there are before is the Arthurian times when they go pick up their babes, right? That's medieval. Uh, then they go to ancient uh, Greece for Socrates. Beethoven's before. Beethoven's before. Napoleon's Beethoven. before. Yeah, Genghis Khan. Khan is before. Genghis Khan. Joan of Arc is before. Good Joan of Arc is uh, okay. Before. But she, they pick up Joan of Arc in like five seconds, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, the good five seconds. <laughs> and same with Genghis. Yeah. And Amadeus. They pick up his stool and then they take him. <laughs> I think the only ones you really spend a lot of time in are Socrates, the babes. The babes. Uh, fucking Napoleon. Is that it? Mm, Most not righteous. Really. Isn't Napoleon like watching? They're not in it for Socrates that often either. No, he died in 1805. So oh, as long okay. as he didn't those five years, you know. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting movie about history. You know, this is a very Bill and Ted move, Chris. You know, if Bill and Ted were on this podcast <laughs> and they, they we and they had, they, they'd go back in time and do exactly what you did and just go to all these areas. They put up a, you know, they put up a what they probably would have picked the first film, the third film, because the second film doesn't really deal with that. Yeah. And what else would they have picked, Ethan? I don't know. Maybe they, they would have picked, picked my last film. Oh, no, I, now, Chris, if you were thinking you had the wild card, I oh, I have kind I of a crazy pick. pick. I know for a fact this entire movie takes place before the 1800s. But how long before is the question? Guys, what if I said this movie takes place 65 million years ago? <laughs> no, you can't pick oh, dinosaurs. No. Oh, you no, can't pick dinosaurs. I'm picking dinosaurs. I'm picking dinosaurs. I'm picking dinosaurs. Yes! <laughs> you can't pick dinosaurs. Yes, Why not? Why can't movie. I pick dinosaur? That's not the traditional definition of period Why piece. Why not? You know it. Look it up online. What is a period piece? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ethan, you cannot shit on me for Bill and Ted for now. All right, yeah, an I object or that. work that is set in a strongly reminiscent of an early historical period. Natural history. Natural history, This yeah. works. It was either this or Ice Age, Brandon. I would have picked Ice Age before that because it actually had if human beings. If you chose Ice Age, I would have shit my pants. <laughs> It actually has human beings. Oh, you should have chosen Dawn of the Dinosaurs so that you can combine them. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well, I think this one's the most realistic out of, uh, you know. Yeah, it is. Because, okay, uh, Brandon, why? humans didn't exist uh, when giant ground sloths exist, I don't think. I know they existed when mammoths existed. But humans did not exist. But there's a baby. Humans did not exist during the Ice Age. I'm consulting Google. I remember, I remember them saying that like that was kind of impossible and it was kind of fantastical. But dinosaur, I think everything. Do they talk? Do dinosaurs talk? Is that realistic? We don't know. <laughs> Were you there? Were you there? I don't think I so. I don't think so. We don't know. They could have talked. You know, <laughs> fucking dinosaur. Uh, this movie ridiculous. is about <laughs> the greatest dinosaur of all time, the iguanodon. That is my favorite dinosaur, named Aladar, and. uh... He's raised by lemurs, and uh, they are being hit by a meteor shower. There's meteor showers hitting the planet, and they decide they have to go escape to this this, this sanctuary, you know? And 
I'm not going to lie. I probably haven't seen this movie since I was four years old. Um, but I remember being the coolest movie ever because it, it looked real. It looked like dinosaurs were real. You know, this, this is pretty much a live action movie. Let's be honest, guys. This is a live action movie. Um, so it's about Aladar going to the sanctuary and he has to fight off the, uh, this, uh, what is it? The Carnotaur. That was, bro, those guys, those guys are scary. Remember the scene when they're in the cave and the Carnotaurs? Yeah, in the water. In the rain? Sticking its head through the rain. Oh my god, that was so scary when I was a kid. Holy shit. I remember the scenes when they were like, when they couldn't find water, they were going through the desert. Remember that? Oh yeah, and they're like, yeah. And then they, and then there's like a stampede because everyone gets fucking excited. Because they find one little puddle. Yeah. Because they stomp in the ground enough and water starts coming up or something like that. Oh, yeah. let's just say I wish I'm glad I wasn't born in that era. You know what I'm saying? We talking about how <laughs> shitty history was. Look how it was back then, huh? <laughs> 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 All right, yeah, I'm picking dinosaur. I okay. Can I be honest? This movie was not on my stack until pick picked uh, Chris picked his wild card. <laughs> Because I was like, was it? It, was it was originally uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God by Werner Herzog. You switched <laughs> out Herzog I switched up for this. Okay, in, in, my, in, in, all, in your fairness, though, I thought about switching. I Like, before this episode, we started recording, I wasn't sure about picking Bill and Ted. I almost picked Green Knight instead because I wanted to throw in a medieval one because I didn't have one of those. But uh, no, it was too it was too much gold to pick Bill and Ted, so I went with that. Well, there you go. I love I love the effort though. I love thinking about it. Uh, what I do you guys think of dinosaur? Tell me what you think about dinosaur. Well, it's the third worst Disney movie. So what? Don't you mean the third best? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't find it compelling at all, and I think it's boring. What? But dinosaurs. I think. I think I love dinosaurs. You know this about me. I was a dinosaur kid. And you didn't love this dinosaurs movie? No, I didn't. I thought it was so dull and uninteresting. And I thought the CGI was bad, even for when it came out. Oh, my God. Chris, what about you? Help me out here. <laughs> oh, my fucking God, this guy. Um, yeah, dude, I, I dig this movie. I will admit it has not been. It has been a very long time since I've seen it. So it might have aged horribly. I remember as a kid being like, this is exactly what it used to look like. Like, this is photo real. I bet if I went back and watched it, it's probably not photo real. But <laughs> my memory of it is very, very vivid. Something. And I remember just loving this movie. I thought there was a lot of, a surprising amount of heart. There's a story about sacrifice. There's a story about, there's just a little bit of everything in this movie. And I think it works really well. Um, and again, I might eat my words if I rewatch it. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, Ethan, I virtually agree with everything you said. The Carnotaurs are scary as fuck. Iguanodons are awesome. Um, yeah, I just think it's awesome. Um, good pick. I'd rather we watch Jurassic World. What? That's what, what I, really? said. I said. I said what I said. Fuck you. <laughs> this movie... And I, I just sent you guys a masterclass article from Martin Scorsese, where he divines period beefs. By Martin Scorsese? <laughs> I'm not listening to that old blo- that old fogey, that old bloke. He doesn't know anything about it. He was probably around during the dinosaurs. That's why he doesn't consider it a period, period piece. <laughs> uh, 
Oh my so god. Weird. Um What a pick. Yeah, fuck. It's a great period piece because like it teaches you about the time, you know? That's what period pieces are for. It, you get to learn about life during these times, and that's this is a time on earth, and it it teaches you about this time. So, that's why I had to pick it, you know? Great great movie. All right. Well, there are all of our films from this uh little period piece stack episode. Let's run down our films one more time before we get out to hashing. This might be a very very violent debate on what's going to be on this final stack. We there might like we might not be friends anymore after this. We'll see what happens. We're Things might be said that you won't be able to take back ever for the rest of your life. So, gentlemen, be very careful what you say in these next few minutes. I don't care that you broke your arm. I'm ending the episode right now. This episode's canceled. <laughs> uh, Brandon, let's start with you and your three films. I chose The New World. You fucker. <laughs> you hesitated because you're like, how can I say this out of order? You absolutely <laughs> The favorite. Braveheart. No, I saw it first. That's you why are, I said no. it. No, you looked. I saw you looking I'm at not, it for a second. I, you're like, I chose. Oh, uh, which one? How could I say this out of order? I know exactly. No, I. I was. I forgot what order I presented. Bullshit, it in. dude. I literally did. I'm not joking. I would tell why you. Why would? Why would you not know? Phones. I bet it's written down in order on your piece of paper. Hence, why you presented. It is not. It's not. It's not. Oh, whoops. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, I was looking at the bottom first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, Chris, what are yours? My films were Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Ron, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And mine were Marie Antoinette, Humanity and Paper Balloons, and Dinosaur. <laughs> dinosaur. I think I think I have a stat. Yeah. I think we go Humanity and Paper Balloons, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and The Favorite. No, those all take place in the same century. I didn't know that. Did, those are all 18th century movies. Well, the reason why I say that is because you've got the subversive one with The Favorite. You've got a Eastern one with Humanity and Paper Balloons, and you've got a strong period piece drama that's from france here's what i'm gonna say and portrait of lady on fire and it's also from different eras like they were made during different times i think here's my pick these are also made during different decades and take place during different centuries we got i think we should have the favorite that's tackles the 17th century or 18th century sorry then we got ran 80s film that tackles what is it 14th century? 15th? 16th. 16th. Fuck. And then Dinosaur, which tackles the prehistoric era. I hate you. We're man. we're expen <laughs> we're expansive across time. I don't hey, know why. Look, cinema has no restrictions here. No restrictions. Yeah, but this stack does. This stack has It does. Chris, are you with me? Do you think dinosaurs I, would be on I, I believe, I, Brandon. Unlike you, I believe in a democratic <laughs> uh, 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 process, uh, and I, I, for one, vote in favor. Yay! <laughs> Yay to dinosaur for being on the stack. Come on, this takes place in 
dinosaur takes place in North America in 65 million years ago. We got Japan in the 16th century, and then we got England in the 18th century. It's perfect. Yeah, okay. Yes! <laughs> Chris, do you agree with that stack? Do you think that's a good stack? I will I I will rock with that. Let's rock. I don't think yeah, humanity agrees. Oh, I think the world agrees with this one. I think I think the world if we took a poll would say what the hell are you thinking? I think the world would subscribe to Stack if they heard this episode. They'd be like these boys are on <laughs> to something. <laughs> these fellas they're kind of smart. <laughs> they're on to something. I I never thought the costume drama could be people that don't wear costumes. They're dinosaurs. <laughs> they're dinosaurs. Hey, hey, the the lemurs costume. aren't it. That's technically us. That we could be those lemurs for all we know. You know? Di- dino DNA. Di- dino DNA. <laughs> Man, I never really thought about that. Dino DNA. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good throwback to um episode. You gotta just two. do that. episode two along with Dino Talk. Dinosaur, Dinosaur, Dinosaur Talk. Dinosaur Talk. Bring it back. No, I'm not putting in those logos anymore. I'm not doing that. Oh, we gotta um. Okay, well, we gotta do it in chronological order. Should we go? There's nothing more. Should we jarring go further back to... in time or should we go forward through time? Doesn't dinosaur end with their annihilation? Yeah. What? Okay, that's kind of a fucked up way to end. That's kind of cool though. <laughs> yeah, you but kill also our like the circle of You life. kill them with the shock that if what if you were like a stacked viewer and you're like, listen, these guys recommended this stack, and then you gave them the favorite, Bro. then you gave them ran, and then you gave them dinosaur, you'd kill them from shock. <laughs> no, we we gotta <laughs> we gotta start with dinosaur. I these are the best period pieces because you destroy all the dinosaurs then it's this epic drama you're like fuck now we're here in feudal japan and there's like all these battles and then it ends with this really intimate drama about sex about and sex. power struggles because <laughs> that's what life is all about sex war and that's sex war and dinosaurs that's what it's all about <laughs> <laughs> This is the alpha stack. This is the alpha. The alpha. Yeah. <laughs> Sex war. I like how it rhymes. It sounds like a movie. It, 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 it slips off the tongue real nice, doesn't it? Sex war and dinosaurs. I mean, all that that that's basically the working title for the Mitchells versus the Machines. Set Yeah. Whoa. There, kids. Warship, dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, dinosaurs a children's movie. Okay, children. All right, children. let's run down this. Settle stack. down. This is Stack's official pre eighteen hundreds period piece final stack, starting with. The 2000 film directed by Ralph Zondag and Eric Layton, Dinosaur, an epic odyssey of prehistoric proportions about an iguanodon named Aladar going to his the sanctuary for finding water, going having to experience the struggles of what it's like to live on Earth 65 million years ago. It doesn't get better than this, but maybe it does with our second film, Chris Hit us with our second piece. Our second film is Akira, Akira Kurosawa's 1985 epic, Drawn, a film set in 16th century post-feudal Japan, telling the story about the Itimonji family and 
their larger clan uh, and an incredible, incredible feat of filmmaking. Amazing film. Go check it out. And our last film is The Favorite. A great 18th century film about power struggles, about the misogyny uh, inherent within royal communities, but also a comedy about power struggles and sex between women. It's wonderful. You all should check it out. Sex, war, dinosaurs. That's what we're going to leave you off. That's our advice for all of our listeners. That's our motto. That's our motto. (laughs) Sex, war, and dinosaurs. That's our fucking motto, man. There ain't nothing better than that. Hell yeah. I'd like to thank you all for listening to Stacked. Um, And this was was such a fun episode. episode. Um, I hope hope you guys enjoyed as much as we did uh, listening as we did talking about these movies. Um, Make sure to like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Rate us on iTunes, Spotify, um, and be like our dear favorite—not our favorite, uh, one of our favorites. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to trash uh, Slim Nave in the comments. You know, Slim Nave, just you're as a much too. Be like Slim Nave and Alex McKnight. Suggest us some topics that you want. They want us to hear. You want to hear us talk about? You know, comment it, uh, tweet at us. You know, send an email. Email us. I, I'll check email now. All right, I like that's. Fuck, that's a whole. That's if a you check deal. email, I'll post yeah. on Instagram. Oh yeah. Shit. Also, just so you guys know, uh, each of the stack hosts uh, manage one social media each. Yeah. Brandon manages Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Ethan manages Twitter, and I manage Facebook. Uh, and Ethan manages also manages email, and I manage Facebook. So if you want to have a one-on-one conversation, yeah. and for whatever reason can't find us independently, hit us up, up there. there. Uh, and tell us how each of us are doing on these platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know which Ooh. one could get uh, could use some improvement. <laughs> I would say YouTube. I YouTube. Would say YouTube. <laughs> I think our YouTube's our best part of us. <laughs> that is Twitter. Let's fucking right. end this episode. They're probably sick of our shit. All right, later, everybody. Catch okay. you on the next episode. All right, Bye. later, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.